Well, it's Christmas Eve. Um, and so you made it, right? <laughs> it's, it's exciting. You made it. Uh, all the shopping is done. Any last 11th hour shoppers in the house, right? You're probably looking at your phone or thinking about who you still need to, uh, to buy a gift for. Uh, just put the phone away. Target closes at 11. You'll have plenty of time. It's just, I don't, well, I wouldn't want to go that way, but you, you'll have plenty of time uh, to do that. Uh, tonight, I just want to take about 15 to 20 minutes, and I want us to read the Christmas story together. I want us to do that because we could go through this entire season. We can see the nativity scenes that, that are in people's lawns and um, different places. And we can go through this entire season without reading the Christmas story. What I love about the Christmas story is that it's a personal story. It's an inclusive story. It's a story of a God that invites us to be a part of his family. He extends an invitation. And I've said this before, but invitations are, are, are so powerful. Most of us could trace our lives based on invitations. Many of you are here because your mom or dad said yes to an invitation, right? Invitations are so, so powerful. And in the Christmas story, we see that God invites us to be a part of his family. I, I, as, I was, as I was thinking about this, I remembered one invitation that I received. Um, it, it was sixth or seventh grade. It was middle school. It was those middle school years, you know, you, you want to forget them, right? <laughs> um, but it, it was an invitation to a birthday party. But this wasn't any birthday party. It was that cool kid's birthday party. You know what I'm talking about, right? They, they, this kid, his name was Sean Hoyle. Still remember him. He was good at every single sport that he played, basketball, baseball, football, soccer. He was good at those non-traditional sports like skateboarding and BMX biking. Or um, He was good. He was a musician. He played the guitar. He was good looking. Like, he, was, he was the cool kid. And I remember when he invited me to his birthday party. I was like, whoa, uh, it is a, this is a big, big, big deal. And I remember going and just kind of being in awe uh, because Jeffrey Massey was there and all, all these kids were there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And as I was there, I, you know, I was there, but, but I really wasn't there, right? Like I was there, but I still felt like an outsider primarily because when I looked around, I was the only minority. Like, there was no one else. It was white as can be. Uh, and and uh, there was still this sense of feeling like an outsider. And maybe some of you tonight, maybe, you know, you, a friend invited you and, and you decided to come, but you're kind of here and you're, we're singing these songs and um, it's exciting, but you feel a little bit like an outsider, when we read this Christmas story, you're going to see that you're exactly where you need to be. For some, you're cons you consider yourself an insider. I, I do. I was born in the church. Um, I, I think literally in the church. Uh, I was born in a hospital. But I can't remember a time where I didn't celebrate Christmas at church. Um, and for me, even in what I do, it's sometimes hard to see and to regain the the, the majesty and awe and the wonder of the fact that the God of the heavens and the earth came to us 
And so my hope is, is that as we read a portion of this story for the outsiders, you would see that, that, that Christ came, that Jesus was born for you. And if you consider yourself an insider, that you would regain the awe and wonder of Christmas, that Christ, that Jesus, that God came to us. And so we're in chapter um, two of, of the book of Luke. And um, one of the things that I love about, um, about the Christmas story is that we have four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. These are four historical accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they're, they're the four, first four books of the New Testament, and they're four different accounts of the life, the death, the resurrection, what we would call the four gospels uh, of Jesus Christ. And I think it's absolutely amazing that we don't just have one account, but that we have four historical accounts of what happened. You got Mark, right? Mark starts, uh, it's the shortest, but he starts the gospel. He doesn't give us the birth narrative. He doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus. He jumps right for the, the, the baptism and the launching of the ministry of Jesus on earth. You have John, who's, who, whose writing is a little bit different. What I, what I, what I love about John is that he kind of gives us the way that he talks about the birth of Jesus is more theological. And he, he says, he uses things like the word became flesh. And he says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming in. What I love about when I read the Gospel of John, and if you go back and read it, if there's anyone that would know what it was like when Jesus was born, it'd be John. And it's because when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, he, tells, he looks at John and he says, John, I, I want you to take Mary as your mom. And Mary, I, I, John's going to take care of you. He's going to be your son. And so I could imagine that after Jesus died, Mary and John would reminisce about Jesus and John would ask him, how was it when he was a kid? And Mary may, may have said, you know, he hated, the, uh, Joseph hated the fact that he was a better carpenter <laughs> than him, right? Like it, it, he would have known, but he, he writes it in, in, a, in a more theological sense. Matthew and Luke kind of give us the more, um, uh, uh, it's more of a narrative of the birth of Jesus. And what I love about the book of Luke, um, the, what Luke wrote, is that Luke was a, a doctor. He was a physician. And his, his goal in writing, in, in writing this stuff down was that he wanted, he investigated and he, he interviewed eyewitnesses. And he even starts his, his book that way. Uh, Luke chapter one, it's not in your bulletins, but I'll read it to you. It says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you, have been thought, that you have been taught. And so Luke interviews people and he writes it down. And I'm so grateful that God preserved this. I'm grateful for the people that gave their lives so that today we could read this. So Luke chapter two starts off this way. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree 
that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. Just a, a, a quick sidebar, what I think is amazing um, is, that, uh, is that the prophets had prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. But Mary and Joseph were in Nazareth. And I just love that, that Jesus didn't use a family member that was still in Bethlehem to say, hey, why don't you come visit us? Jesus used the most powerful man on earth in that time to fulfill his promise. He nudged Caesar Augustus, the first emperor of Rome. Prior to that, they were a republic. They didn't have an emperor. And he said, I want you to be a part of fulfilling this promise. And the beautiful thing is Caesar Augustus had no clue. So Joseph also went up to the town, also went up to the town of Nazareth, went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who he was pledged to be married to and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there, was no, there were no guest rooms available for them. Q. Linus. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Linus was completely right. That is what Christmas is all about. If we walk through this, if we can picture that first Christmas, you had these shepherds. Who were, who were keeping watch of their flock. And bam, all of a sudden, this angel appears. Now, what I love, and, and we've been looking at these angel interactions over the last few weeks, um, is that I think that there's some sort of angel training in, in, in heaven, right? They're like, hey, they're, those, those humans, are, they're good people. But when you show up, they're gonna be a little scared. So the first line you should always use is, do not be afraid. Um, and bam, these angels appear. And they give them, they said, we have good news. Now, when I think about this, I'm like, why shepherds? Right? We think of shepherds and we probably uh, have this one picture, but shepherds were dirty people. They were keeping watch of hundreds of sheep. 
They weren't even allowed to kind of be in the city. They were kind of on the, on the outskirts because when you spend time with sheep, you smell like sheep and you smell like what sheep do, um, right? And not only were they social outcasts, but they were kind of outside of the religious system of that day. They were ceremonially unclean, and so therefore they weren't allowed to come in and worship in the temple. And so they were around the action, right? Because in that time, the Jewish people, when they wanted to, to have peace with God and be atoned of their sins, they'd take an animal, usually a lamb, depending on your social status, and you would take it to the temple to, to sacrifice. So the, the shepherds weren't able to do that. These people were outsiders in every sense of the word, both socially and as a part of the religious system. And so I think, man, here's the, the, the God of heaven and the earth. The God that created all things. He chooses these outsiders to be the first people to whom he announced the birth of his son. I have four kids, as you know. You can... Uh, um, pray over me after. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. Um, but I remember the first people I called when I had my kids. Uh, they were my family. They were people who I loved. And I think that, 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 that God, what he wanted to communicate is that, hey, I'm doing something different here. And all who believe get the opportunity to be a part of my family. And these shepherds, man, they were just, they were just so scared. At the same time, you could, I could see them kind of asking, like, really? Like, is this, is this for real? Like, can, can, we, can we now be a part of the family of God? Can we now experience shalom, peace with God? They, they were Jewish. They knew they knew of the promise of the Messiah. And so how do they respond, even in their fear, even as outsiders? What do they do? They take a step. And it says that they went to see what had happened. It doesn't say that they went to see a baby. They went to see the fact that their Messiah that their savior was born. Emmanuel, God with us. One of the, the things that um, I love to do is invite people to come to church. Um, and you know sometimes it can be a little awkward because I'm the pastor, but I, I often, uh, and they know that, and the, usually the most common response that I get is, oh, if I went to church, I'd be struck by lightning. Um, it's almost that they're saying, you don't know the language I use, Sam. I can't, I can't walk into that place. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin that I'm currently living in. You don't know the struggles that I battle with. You don't know. And a part of me just wants to be like, Man, Jesus, God, on that first Christmas chose outsiders to let them know of the good news. The reality is, is that 
for those that feel like they're in, sometimes the good news isn't, isn't that big of a deal. But for those that feel like they're on the outside, man, to know that the God of the heavens loves you so much that he came, man, that's good news. Whether you feel like an insider or an outsider, would you, would you do what the shepherds did? Would you go and see what happened? I, um, you know, Christmas and Easter are kind of like, um, like the Super Bowl for church people, right? Like, um, and so today I, I came and I, because I, I want to make sure that for the, for our guests that are with us, that this place is awesome for you. Like, um, and so I, I came early this morning and there were some light bulbs that were out. And so I was changing the light bulbs and, and usually um, it's kind of, I, I, I think of it, I'm, I'm, I played football in high school, and so uh, it's kind of like when, you, when you're a football player and you walk out on the field before the game to kind of psych yourself up, and, uh, or you walk out into the basketball court and, um, to, get, to get pumped up. And, and so I'm walking around, and I'm making sure that the aisles of chairs are straight. And, uh, and as I do, I normally begin to think about and pray about those who will be here for the first time and those that are coming into this place. And I... I, I um, I, I started to think, and, and, and I remember th- this is the fifth Christmas that we celebrate in this building. I've had the opportunity to be your pastor for all five of those. It's, it's awesome. And as I remembered that, I began to think about the things that have happened in this place. I remember to th- think about Mary who drove by and saw the sign and came in, and the Lord has radically changed her life, and she's working for a nonprofit now in, in North Carolina. And I walked by the area over here, which is where we usually offer prayer, and I saw the, the, the pictures of when our prayer team is praying over people or the people that I've had the opportunity to pray for. Thought about the marriages that God has restored in this place. And I was just grateful that that can happen because God came. Because on that day, in that little baby, God came. And you guys, those that, whether you've been here um, since the beginning or maybe you walked in today for the first time, you've created an amazing place where things happen. And these five years have not been without their ups and downs. And uh, they haven't been without their seasons of pain and seasons of joy. And, but I want to say thank you. Thank you to those that have poured into this place. Those who volunteer week in and week out to make sure that whoever walks into this place gets a glimpse of what happened that Christmas day. A savior came into this world. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. Um, all right, those base camp volunteers, you've, You've loved on my kids so much so that they have fallen in love with the church. They've fallen in love with Jesus. And that only happens because that first Christmas happened. Because nothing, nothing could stop God from coming into this world. And as I think about this new year we're entering into in this next season of of ministry and what God wants to do in and through this place. I'm reminded of those, of those shepherds 
Because once they saw what was happening, they could not be contained. They needed to go and tell. And so whether if you feel like an inside, insider or an outsider, would you move towards this Christmas season? Would you commit to taking a step towards whatever it is that you need to take a step to, to, to moving towards the God that pierced through eternity to be near you? For some, it's coming back. It's saying, you know what, I, I don't know what this means, but that step is for me to come back. For some tonight, it's, man, I just, I need to place my trust in that God. The God who could not be contained and came to us. For some, it's, I, I, need, to, I need to get plugged in and involved in what is happening as a part of this community. Would we go and tell? Because when we do, he will show up. And as I was here this morning and in, in, in kind of thinking through those stories, I began to praise God. I began to praise him for his faithfulness. I began to praise him for the fact that he has sustained us. I began to praise him for his provision. I began to praise him for his goodness towards me and towards this community. That first Christmas, light came into darkness. And John, the guy who would have known Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he writes, and we all know this, we can probably recite it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whomever, that includes you, it includes me, whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Emmanuel, God with us. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you preserved the texts that we, that we have that, that tell us about how you first came into this world. We're thankful that you chose these shepherds, outsiders, people who, who the religious system had excluded. He chose them as the people whom you wanted to know first and who would be the ones that would go and tell others. God, I thank you that because of what happened over 2,000 years ago, things are happening as a part of this community, that you are transforming lives and you're redeeming marriages And God, you're bringing light to dark places. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that first Christmas and the promise that we have that you will always be with us. It's in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen.